we'll sing that again at some point. Thank you guys. Awesome job leading us into the presence of the Lord today. Turn in your Bibles and your smartphone, wherever you've got, to John chapter 20. And we're going to begin reading there here in just a few minutes. John chapter 20. Let me say again, thank you for uh, making the decision to join us this morning for worship here at Rinkin Church of God. We do this every week at 1045, just like this. What you're seeing today, nothing you get a look at what our service is every week. Uh, so we hope to see you back. If you don't have a home church, now you do. All right? Home folks, tell everybody who's with us today that we're glad that they're here. Will you give them a hand? Amen. Decision to be in church today is one of many that you've already made this morning. You decided if you'd have breakfast or not. You decided you walked to the closet and decided what you would wear. You, if you got here early enough, you got to decide where you would sit. And you've probably already decided where you're going to have lunch and what you're going to have today. We make decisions all day, every day, and we don't even think about all the choices and the decisions we make because they come at us so quick. But have you ever considered that decision that was made before you were born that you had nothing to do with that influences your life every single day? I'm going to give you a minute and see if you can think about what that is. If you can figure out what it is. One decision, I see y'all back here, that was made before you were born that influenced your life every single day. Anybody know what that might be? <clears throat> Actually, Jesus, it, it is, but it's not right at this moment. Selection of your name. Your name for before you were born, right? You don't have any you every single day. Is that right? Right? Now, let's think about that for a second. Was that a big decision for your parents? Was that a big for you, to the selection? Absolutely, it was a big decision. Is it a difficult decision, choosing a child's name? Absolutely. It's a tough one. It's one that can cause a lot of friction in families pretty early on when they're trying to make that decision. But um, the way you can select your child's name, there, there's a few different ways you can go about it. And we've all met people in different, uh, in different ways like this. So let's talk about that for a second. There's the unique way. You can say, I want my child to have a unique name. And have you ever met somebody for, before and you met them? Never heard that name before. That's pretty cool. Have you ever met somebody before and you name and you're like, your mama named you what? <laughs> now, when our second child, our daughter Jaden, was getting ready to be born, we were in the doctor's office. True story. We were talking with the doctor possibilities of what we were going to name her. The doctor said, "Well, you know, I was in a delivery process with a mom one time." We were in the delivery room. She still hadn't made the choice, and I just kind of made the joke. I said, you know what would be a great name? Placenta. <laughs> True story. 
The mom said, oh, that's a beautiful name. And y'all, she named her child Placenta. So next time you, you think you don't have a good name, name Placenta, right? Now, some people go with the, uh, they go with the family name, and they have a name that's been passed down from, from generation to generation. Now there's a little bit of a twist on that. You can take the mother's maiden name and turn it into a first name if that works, right, Josh? Josh and Brooke Berenger, they're, they're here at our church, and their son's name is Boone, and there's the Boone family right there. So that kind of worked out. Name keeps going, and, uh, and that, that's, that's pretty cool. Now, now, my name is Les, but those of you who know, know that my real name is Leslie. That was a lot of fun growing up. <laughs> Just want to tell you about it. Through the list, and she gets to Leslie. Leslie, where is she? I'm like, I'm right here. I'm a guy, and I want you to call me Les, not Leslie. All right? So I'm going to get rid of all my stuff here. No matter how well you plan for Easter, something's going to happen. It's just the devil. He's coming against us. No, we probably just need some better equipment. That's probably it. I don't give him that much credit. So, do I look okay? Am I back to normal? All right. It's Easter. I, if I don't look right, you'll be distracted for the next three hours while I preach. You're awake now, right? So anyway, back to Leslie. Okay, so, I, you know, my dad told me, he said, look, son, I didn't mean to do that to you, but my dad's dad's name was Leslie. My dad's dad was a farmer. He was a hunter. He was an outdoorsman. And my dad always told me, he said, Les, he said, my dad was the manliest man I ever knew. So when we came down to picking a name, when I thought of a manly man's name, I thought of the name Leslie, and I had no idea it would become a gender bender name. Well, if you don't go unique or you don't go family tree, you can go with what's the meaning of your name. And some of you might have done that. You can look up online. You can find the meaning of the name. You can print all types of cool stuff to put in, in a kid's room, and, and it's neat, and you can go with that. And so there's a lot of ways. So no matter what your name is today or how you got your name, it's unique to you, and it's something that defines you, and it carries you throughout your whole life, right? Well, it's Easter Sunday, so you know where I'm going with all this name talk, right? If there's one name that's central to Easter, this is your part today, it is what? It's the name of Jesus, right? And I want to tell you today that for my life, and for many other people's lives who are here today, the name of Jesus for us isn't just a name that's important for one day out of the year, or two if we add Christmas. But the name of Jesus is important and vital for my everyday life all the time. Now, if we think about the name Jesus, and we go by the same thing we just talked about and, and ask the question, how did Jesus get his name? Well, let's apply what we just said. Was Jesus a unique name? No, it wasn't. There were many boys named Jesus in, that, in those early days. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the Greek of the Hebrew Joshua. So there were a lot of Joshuas and Jesus running around in Jesus' day. Was it a family name? No, it wasn't. You look at Matthew chapter 1, you read the lineage of Jesus, the family tree, and what you find out is from Jesus all the way back to David, all the way back to Adam, there's not a Jesus in his family tree, neither is there a Joshua, so Jesus is not a family name. 
But does the name of Jesus have any special meaning? Yes. It probably has more meaning than any name that there has ever been. You look up your name today, you're going to find one meaning. You go to another website, you might find two. But if you study the Scriptures, you'll find out that the name of Jesus has over 48 different meanings to the name of Jesus. And those names were showing up before He was even born. There was a prophet in Isaiah. His name's Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We read this verse a lot at Christmas, and it'll be here on the screen. And the prophet said, For to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. And look at these four names. Jesus had name, he had four descriptions before he was even born. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's before he's even born. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 1 the family tree of Jesus, and you read after you go all those begats, you get down to this and it says, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah. Another name. We haven't even gotten to the name Jesus yet. A couple verses later, we jump into the story, the Christmas story, where Joseph has found out that Mary's pregnant. He knows it's not his. How many of you know that's a problem? So big of a problem that an angel shows up at his door and says these words to him. says, she will give birth to a son and you're going to give him the name Jesus because he'll, name his, he'll save his people from their sins. How many of you parents would have liked to have that kind of help with naming your child? An angel to come down and say, just name him this. That's the kind of help that Joseph and Mary got. And then a couple verses later we get this. Matthew tells us that all this that he's been talking about took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So if you're tracking, we've already had multiple names of Jesus that we've read in just four scriptures. Now, over the last few weeks here, we've been in a series called One Name, and the names that we've been talking about are represented right here by these names on the cross. And the very first week we talked about the name Jesus and we said that it means Yahweh is salvation or Jesus saves. We just read that. It makes sense because the angel told Joseph, you will name the child Jesus because that means he will save his people. Then we hear Jesus, I guess we could call it Jesus' last name, right? Jesus' last name was Christ, or one of his other names was Messiah. Jesus Christ, Jesus Messiah, those are the same words. One's Greek, one's Hebrew. They both mean the anointed one. One set apart, empowered by God to do great and mighty things. Then I look up here, and there's not just the things that was said about Jesus or the predictions made about him. There were things Jesus said about himself. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I'll lead you, God, you take care of you. People said about Jesus that he was a master, meaning he was a master teacher, best teacher they had ever heard. Jesus said about himself, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, which makes him a servant. And then Jesus starts doing all these miracles everywhere, and that means he gets the name Almighty. Last week we talked about how four days before he goes to the cross, Jesus rides into town and he's declared the King of Kings. And then when Jesus is hanging on the cross, he's fulfilling the prophecies that called him a man of sorrows and he's standing in your place and mine as the Lamb of God. 
Now, if you're counting, I don't know how good you can count from there. We're already up to 11 of the 48. That's why I said it's going to be a long service today. How many more we got? We got, what, 36, 37? No, I'm just going to give you a few more. So watch this, okay? Help me out, Trent. So those are just a few, but if we keep going through what Scripture says, a while ago I read from Isaiah, and one of the Scriptures that Isaiah said was that he would be called Prince of Peace. Now that does not mean that if you know Jesus, that there's absolutely no chaos or disorder in your life. Is that right? Y'all look at me, not him. I know he's better looking than me, skinnier than me, he's slicker than me, but just kind of just stay right here. He's going to be taking, taking names and nailing names, all right? So Prince of Peace, all right? So that's one of Jesus' names, all right? So we just read that. Another name that Jesus called himself in Luke 6.51 is Bread of Life. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven, and whoever eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is saying, I am the sustenance of your life. You know me, you're going to have a full life. All right. Another day, Jesus is down in town. He's sitting down by a well. He's having a conversation with a woman. They get to talking, and she's saying a little bit about herself. And Jesus looks at her and he says, well, um, guess what? I've heard that you've had five husbands. I thought I'd get more of a mm on that. Five husbands. And Jesus said, and the one you're with right now is not your husband. And Jesus made an illustration as they're bringing water out at that well. And he said, look, Jesus was kind of predicting the country song. And he was saying, lady, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. And he said, if you, just like you're pulling water here, if you'll drink from me and, and know me and the relationship you can have with me, you won't be so thirsty that you go manhunting all the time. That's good. That's Jesus. You know what else he said? So, Jesus said, I'm living water. Then in eight, John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Jesus, as a light of the world, vanquishes all the darkness. When he comes into our lives, everything that is dark suddenly gets lit. Jesus can get you lit in a good way. Don't stop for me. Just keep hanging there, brother. You're doing, you're doing a great job. How many of you, how many people here enjoy reading and watching the news? Lord, if you do, I'm just going to pray for you because I'm going to tell you what, I just can't even hardly watch it anymore because it's depressing, right? Anybody ever watch the news and turn it off and just say, I just don't feel like I have any hope anymore. Is there anything good at all? Well, Jesus comes along and he is our hope. Paul said about him, Paul said, Christ in you is the hope of glory, the hope of heaven. So in a hopeless world, Jesus is our hope. Jesus goes to the cross and he adds another one. He says, I am your redeemer. And whatever's been stolen away and you've been taken away by, by sin from me, Jesus says, I'm your redeemer. And when he offers his life for us, he becomes that. Jesus, we know, is our Savior. He's the Savior of the world. Jesus said, I came to seek and to 
save those that are lost, which means Jesus is a Savior. Y'all still with me? Jesus is our high priest. Now, before Jesus came, you had to go talk to a priest before you could talk to God. Oh, but after Jesus came, can I tell you, you don't have to make an appointment with me if you need to talk to God. You can talk to Jesus. You don't have to go make an appointment with a priest if you need to talk to God. You can talk to Jesus anytime, anywhere. You can talk to Him because He stepped in the place and became high priest. And then, boy, I tell you one of my favorite ones. The night before Jesus goes to the cross, He's sitting around having this conversation with His disciples. And somebody says, after three years, one of those guys said, Well, Jesus, if you'll just show us the way and to God, then we'll know where to go. And what did Jesus say? Anybody want to help me this morning? I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to get to God but me. Jesus said, I'm the door. I'm the gate. If you want to see God, you've got to go through me. So when I look back at all that, and I see these are, now we're up to, I think, 21 different things that have either been prophesied and predicted about Jesus or things that Jesus said about Himself or things that people testified about Him. Now, if Jesus says all these things about Himself, He's making some pretty heavy-duty claims. Am I right? He's claiming some pretty heavy-duty things. And if he's going to make those types of claims, he better be able to back it up, right? Now, I just want to take a break right here because this is a great opportunity to share something with you all that I've never shared with you before. There's a big crowd here today. I don't have an opportunity to talk to this many people often. So I just want to tell you all something. Y'all don't know this about me, but I am the best basketball player in Effingham County. Why are y'all laughing? Easy. Easy. I think the scripture said, do not talk against the Lord's anointed. Now y'all are laughing this morning because you're thinking, okay, first of all, you're not the tallest guy in the room. Secondly, you're not in the best shape in the room. Thirdly, you're not the youngest guy in the room, and I'll just go ahead and say it. I'm white, and we know white men can't jump, right? That's just a fact. I mean, there was one, Larry Bird. He was the way in truth to life for the white basketball players. I mean, what am I talking about here? All right, I'm getting down, I'm getting, on a, getting off on something crazy this morning. But if I say to you today, all right. I'm the best basketball player in Effingham County. And I'm going to make that claim. Man, y'all are laughing hard. And what if I said, okay, we're going to suspend the service. I've got the top 25 other basketball players in this county in the gym. Let's go over there and I'm going to prove to you that I'm the best basketball player in the county. Do, will I have the opportunity to prove to you that I'm the best basketball player in the county if I make that claim? Yeah, I would have that opportunity. 
But y'all are smiling and laughing because you know somebody looking like this, I'd last about two minutes and I'd be over there huffing and puffing. Somebody would be calling EMS. I, I don't have the jump shot. I don't have the layups. I, don't, I was a fair basketball player. You know I said fair one time, but that's been a long time ago. My 15-year-old son's got a crossover that breaks my ankles now. I can't keep up with him. So those claims that I make about myself, I can't back those up. But when we talk about Jesus, if Jesus is going to make those types of claims about himself, shouldn't there be something to back that up? If you're going to make those types of claims, then I'd say you should be able to, to back it up. Now, we've said there's several predictions made about Jesus. So I just want you to kind of look at this cross with me this morning, and let's just pick out a few, all right? We talked about master teacher. Is there any evidence that Jesus was a master teacher? If you look in Matthew 5, chapter 5 through 7, you see the Sermon on the Mount, probably the best teaching ever done on the planet. And when he got finished teaching, they said, we've never heard anything like this before, so there's evidence that Jesus was a master teacher. So much so that he says something like, treat people the way you want to be treated, do unto others as you would have done to you. And that is a part of our culture. Do you know who said that first? Jesus. Okay? Now, Jesus says, I am Christ the Messiah, the anointed one set apart by God. Is there any evidence that Jesus was set apart by God to do some pretty amazing things? I think so. If you continue to look down the line, is there any evidence that Jesus was a servant? Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to be served, but to serve. Was there any evidence of that? Well, the night before Jesus went to the cross in John chapter 13, we find him washing his disciples' feet. Kind of backed it up. And Almighty, the one that says that Jesus has miracle working power, well, when we go through the book, we see that Jesus fed thousands. He cast out demons, he raised the dead, he healed the sick. So that kind of backs up Almighty, right? All right? But here's the problem, because somebody is going to say, well, I hear what you're saying, but you're using the claims that are in the book to support what you're saying. The claims about Jesus are in the book, so you're using the book to support it, so I don't know if I can really go along with that because are there any, anything outside of Scripture that confirms what you're saying this morning? Well, let's think about this, okay? Let, let's put on our uh, practical cap this morning, all right? Anybody in America left with any common sense, all right? I, I, I say common sense is a superpower, all right? God bless us with more of it. If, this was not true and not real, would we all be here this morning 2,000 years later? Do you think we'd be here? Would the disciples have continued to tell His story if Jesus had not risen from the dead? I don't know. Would the disciples have continued to preach about Him and teach about Him and share about Him? I'm not sure. My question is, what would cause a group of cowards who literally ran for their life, what would cause a liar like Peter and a doubter like Thomas 
to have such a change in their lives that they tell everybody in the first century about a man named Jesus, so much so that historians tell us they all gave their life in ways much like Jesus did. The only thing I can come up with, y'all, that tells me why those men would have continued to tell the story is that after Jesus hung on a cross and was buried in a tomb, that they saw him alive and well and walking around somewhere. That is the only thing that makes sense to this whole thing. If you look at John chapter 20, I told you to turn in your Bibles there, you'll see this. The morning of Easter. Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. The stones rolled away. She looks in. She says, what is going on? She runs into town. She gets Peter and John. They all run back to the tomb. Peter and John go in the tomb. They see some, some, the, the, the clothes laying there, the headpiece laying over to the side. They take off back to their homes, the Scripture says, and Mary Magdalene standing there outside of the tomb wondering what's going on. Where is the body of Jesus? And a man comes up to her and he, she says, Sir, if you know where the body of Jesus is, will you tell me because I want to anoint and prepare the body. And the guy she's talking to says, Mary. Just called her by name where we started a while ago. And she calls him Rabboni, which means teacher she immediately knew who she was talking to and they have a conversation and he says go back and tell the disciples what's going on tell them I'm back now on Easter Sunday morning we we read those stories those tomb encounters but sometimes we miss that the encounter that happened that night that evening, your Bible says in John chapter 20 verse 19 that on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Did anybody hear that? The disciples are so scared that they're the next ones to be hung on a cross that they're in behind closed doors, doors locked, scared of the Jewish leaders. It says Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after this, he showed them his hands and his side where he had been crucified. And the disciples were, what is that word? Overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Y'all want to hear something real good this morning? Three nights earlier, Jesus is sitting around with the disciples having a conversation. He's predicting his death and everything that's going to happen. And he leans into them and he says these words in John 16, 20. Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your Grief will turn to joy. <laughs> the very thing that Jesus sat at the table and told them, only three short nights later, he would walk into a room and suddenly the scripture said they were overjoyed. 
They're behind closed doors, scared for their lives. But suddenly, the risen Lord appears for them and they're filled with joy and excitement because the last time they heard Him or seen Him or knew anything about Him, He was hanging on a cross. So what that tells me is that everything that they had heard, everything that they had seen in that moment, it all was like it was cashed in. And Jesus said, I cash it in. Everything that I said about myself is true. And you rewind back just a few weeks before. Jesus is standing in front of another tomb. It's the tomb of his good friend Lazarus. And as he's standing there in front of that tomb, he looks at his sister Martha and they have a conversation. And Jesus looks at her and she's saying, What are we going to do? He's dead. Why'd you show up late? And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, he shall live. Now I got to go back here so I can see it like you're seeing it. Because when I pull back and I look at what I'm seeing right there, all of those things that surround that are good and wonderful and applicable to my life. But what cashes them in, what makes them right, what makes them true is this little white strand that goes down the middle that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I told myself I won't get too excited this morning for all the new folks. But I'm going to tell you something. When I think about the predictions and what the Word says, that's a lot of evidence. When I think about that 2,000 years later, it's still going, that's a lot of evidence. When I think about that the disciples, some were crucified just like Jesus and worse that they carry it on. That's a lot of evidence, y'all, that he became alive after he was dead. But do you want some more evidence before you go eat lunch today? Can I give you just a little bit more? I want to ask somebody in this room this morning, what's your story? Because I know that in this room this morning, There's somebody here, and I just want you to wave at me. If you've ever opened the Word, and He's been a master teacher to you. Anybody just, have anybody personally experienced Jesus be a master teacher? You've opened the Word. Goodness. Is there anybody here been going through something in life, and you had no peace at all? But because He is the Prince of Peace, your relationship with Him gave you peace in your heart and life. I just want you now to wave at me, okay? Anybody experience peace in your life because of Jesus? Anybody here ever had and in need of direction for your life and He was the light of the world and the way, the truth, and the life and gave you direction and pointed you where you needed to go. I want you to point at me right now and say, I, I, I have found direction. He's 
pointed me in the right direction. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about today? Anybody would say this morning that I've been through some situations where I needed provision and I did not have what I needed, but He was my sustenance. He provided for me. I want you to stand up as a testimony if that's you. Anybody in this room ever, ever seen God come through like that for you? Hallelujah. Sit down, sit down. Anybody ever experienced Almighty? Healed your body. Healed your mind. Mm. I just want you to raise the roof on that one. Come on. Give me a little bit of a raise in the roof right there on that one. Hallelujah. Anybody look back in the rearview mirror of your life and you know that He's redeemed you. He's bought you back from where you were. You're not who you used to be because He's your Redeemer. Put up both hands and wave at me. If that's you, if you've experienced that in your life. You know what? I could do this for, for all the times that I've missed and I could keep going till we get up to the 48 names of Jesus. If that's not enough to prove to you today that He is alive, I'm going to tell you something. If He would not have risen from the dead, His mission would have died with Him. If He remains on the cross and remains dead, all His claims die with Him. But... He is the one name above all names that in Jesus it all comes together in Him because He is the resurrection and the life. And this morning, Kevin, as you come, I want to say this to you. Please, don't move, don't go anywhere. Lunch will be there when you get there. We are almost done. Your life started with a name. Before you were born, that's what I said this morning out of the gate, you were given a name. That name will follow you every day of your life and it will follow you to the grave. And one day, that name that your mom and dad gave you before you were born will be etched in a tombstone somewhere. Your name will follow you. But in between all of that, you have a decision that you can make today. Now what am I going to do with Jesus? Am I going to walk in once a year, twice a year, a few times a year and just say, my church is just kind of a little part of my life? There's too much on the table for my life that I need is Jesus a crutch for me absolutely I do not want to do life without him <laughs> he is life and I don't know where you might be today today you might come in here and it's one of the few visits you make during the year for Easter, Christmas, whatever that you make. Here's what I want to say to you. That something that you, that you sense this morning inside of you, it's 
not emotion. It's not just some guy up here yelling and screaming. What you sense today in the pit of your gut is the Holy Spirit. And that night that Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. One of the final things he told them is he said, when I go, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide, teach, remind, lead. And this morning in this room as I've been talking, some of you who've walked away from your relationship with Jesus and it's been a while since you've been in an environment like this where you've heard preaching and singing and talking about Jesus. There's something inside of you. That's the Holy Spirit. And you know what He's saying to you? He's saying, you know, maybe you couldn't raise your hand for hope. Maybe you weren't able to raise your hand for healer or servant or master or teacher or prince of peace. But you may be sitting here saying, you know, Les, I need some peace in my life. I need some hope in my life. It would be a shame to sit here this morning and hear the greatest story the greatest man who ever walked on this planet and all that he offers your life and walk back into your world tomorrow and live it the exact same way. Jesus didn't come so we just survive. He came to give us life and to, he invites us into relationship with him today. So with everybody in the room, if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, nobody looking around and nobody moving, please. I started this morning by talking about decisions. And today, you have a decision to make. What are you going to do with this man named Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? Maybe you're here today and at some point you had a relationship with Him and you've walked away from that. Today He's calling you back. Maybe you're here today and you've never made a commitment to Jesus before. And today, you can sense Him speaking to you. Maybe you're here today and you're here every single Sunday. And you sit here every week, but you've never made a commitment in your heart. You've never just said, I commit to Jesus. Today is your day to do that. With nobody looking around, if you'd say, Les, I, uh, you're talking to me today, and that's where I find myself. I need to either recommit or commit for the first time, invite Jesus into my life. I want you to raise your hand and put it right back down. Go. I see it. I see it. I see it. Anybody else? Any, I see it. There's about four or five. Anybody else? Put your hand up right back down. Thank you. Anybody else? Need to make that commitment this morning. Anybody else today? Don't walk out and life be the same tomorrow because you missed the opportunity today. Anybody else? I want to ask one more thing. Just sit right there. Any followers of Jesus here this morning that you would say, Pastor, I need to, I need to tap into a little bit more of the resurrection today because I find myself today in a place where I need some hope. I need some peace. I need a miracle from the Almighty. 
I need Him to be my bread. I'm looking for love in the wrong places. Any Christ followers here today say, I need Jesus to do something fresh in me today on Easter. Raise your hand and put it right back down. Any Jesus followers, yes, yes, multiple hands. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to lives. Put those hands back down. Jesus can do it, and He will do it. All we have to do is invite Him into our lives to do that. And here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to pray a very simple prayer today to close out. And I'm going to ask you to all pray that prayer with me. See, a moment ago when we were talking about these names, and we were asking people to stand and lift their hands and all of that, something happened in this room. And it's called life. Life filled this room when we began to testify of what God's done. But can I tell you today that whatever it is you need from Him, He can give that to you today. That life is available to you. So I'm going to ask us all to pray this prayer this morning. Every one of us, believers as well, pray this prayer and repeat it after me. And if you want to accept Christ as your Savior today and come into a relationship with Him, or you're coming back to Him, Will you pray this prayer too today? Repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he took my sins to the cross. I believe that he died in my place. And I believe that you raised him to life. I would like to trust him now as my Savior. I like to follow him as my Lord. From this day forward, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And nobody's still looking around. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time or made a recommitment to Jesus, lift your hand. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or made a recommitment, lift it up and hold it right there. I want to see it. I want to see it. I'm losing count, y'all. There's 15 to 20 people who have lifted their hands. Rinkin Church of God, will you celebrate this morning what God has done in this place? Now you can look at me. Can I tell you what the next step is in that? Don't pray that prayer and walk out and the next time you hear something about church weeks from now, you're like, oh, that's right, I prayed that prayer. Now you take it and you move in a direction with that. And, and we've got something today that we want to give you. If you prayed that prayer, you recommitted or committed for the first time today, We've got some, some little booklets to just kind of talk about what you do next in your faith and encourage you. There's two baskets here on the front corners that have those booklets. There's, if you'll go to the Welcome Center on your way out, they'll give you one of those booklets. But other than just that, if you will find a church home, find a place to, to be a part of. If you don't have a church home, now you do. Right, Arscog folks? Now you have a church home, okay?
Now you do. If you have a church home and you're visiting with mama and grandma, go on back there. They need you, okay? We're not trying to steal somebody else, but we want you here if you don't have a church home, okay? Find a place to get plugged in and to take what you've learned today. Now, if you made the commitment today, talk to somebody that came with you or invited you about that commitment. And see God begin to do something in your life. It was our joy today to have you with us for Easter at Rinkin Church of God. Thank you for making us a part of your day today. As you leave, everybody here is going to take something with you today. It's an invitation to come back next Sunday. Because next Sunday we're going to add another name. See, there's a space right here with purpose. We're going to add another name next Sunday that talks about how everything we've talked about today, how we can walk that out as we remain in Him. I love you. God loves you. And thank you for being with us today. Let's stand together. And we're going to leave today before we go celebrating that Jesus is alive. Let's go, guys. Let's pick that back up. We're going to sing a little bit of this and then you're free to go.